What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 182 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Sunday. It is Labor Day weekend. We are having fun talking about baseball and joining me as often, the great Eric Cole. What's up, man? Oh, it's going well. I mean, the minor league season's winding down, and I have a bunch of writers that are almost in mourning as a result of it. But other than that, I mean, yeah, it's it's been actually, it, it's kind of funny. Like, every one of the guys who have, like, their, like, last recap has happened. I'm like, it's the last recap. They're like, it's your last one. And they're like, what? Well, what do I mean? What are, what are we going to do? I mean, Garrett, like, volunteered for every, like, Gwinnett playoff game that, that exists. He, he doesn't even know how to function. Matt's, like, you know, trying to, like, write emails to Vince McMahon to try to get, like, them to him to start a baseball league like it's 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 it's, it's, it's wild i uh i believe you number one i guess let's just stay there for a second i'm not going to try to rob from from road to atlanta too much but is there anything that i guess maybe casual minor league braves fans which i put myself in that category should be watching for in the next few days obviously Gwinnett is the is the playoff run team but anything that people should be looking out for uh, aside from just subscribing to road to atlanta which is the big, the biggest thing to do obviously but anything that we anything that i should be on the lookout for eric that's well, I mean, well i mean look if you're really into minor league baseball the uh, Gwinnett's the only team that's that the Braves have in the playoffs this year. Rome had like an outside chance going into the last week, and then it didn't really work out. The Florida State League actually has the problems, and as well as the GCL has you know the hurricane coming through. Possibly, I guess no one really knows what that thing's doing. Uh, and Mississippi didn't make it, so you know ultimately it's just you know if you're wanting to follow that, that's the that's like the one like minor league storyline in terms of teams. But other than that, it's just kind of you know as guys get added to the expanded roster once the Gwinnett's done with their playoff run. And I don't, we're not expecting any big names to come up, honestly. You know, the, the guys that are on the 40-man roster who have already seen time are the guys that are going to get, you know, get some time in the majors. And a lot of the guys that you would have honestly thought would have been a part of September call-ups, no question. I mean, some of those guys might not be there. I'm not even sure why you'd even want to have Tuki Tassan on this roster, for example. Ooh, uh, yeah, let's talk about the uh, the call-ups, because it's September 1st as we record this, you know, it's Sunday night of Liberty Weekend, but it's doubles as the end of August, and, uh, you know, rosters expanded starting today, and the Braves did call up uh, a trio of guys, they called up Johan Camargo, Chad Sabaka, and Jeremy Walker, in addition to uh, reactivating Brian McCann, which was obviously a no-brainer, he was going to be coming back regardless, but not like a flurry of activity, they're only carrying, you know, three or four guys extra at this moment, and guys like Austin Riley and Adam Duvall and you mentioned Tukey and Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson. Those guys are not on the roster at this moment. What, what do you make of what's happened so far? I know it's you know it's literally the first day of, of September. Um, what do you make of what, of what they chose to do first, and uh, how do you think the Braves are going to handle the next you know few days and weeks in terms of the roster? I think that the Toronto series is going to be a lot of just a lot of the guys that we're seeing currently right now. The nice thing about what's going on is that the Braves have a homestand, and their AAA affiliate is right here. So what they could easily do is, let's say Bryce Wilson starts game one of the playoff series or whatever. You know, as soon as that game's over, they can just put him. They can literally just slide him over and put him on the on the on the Atlanta roster. Or if like they get if they get ousted fairly early in the playoffs, which is not an out, is not outside the realm of possibilities. Like those guys can like very quickly be moved on to the major league roster. I just don't think the Braves felt a urgency to move a ton of guys onto the forty man roster. They want to see kind of, you know, give these guys some experience, you know, these these last at-bats, the last possible at-bats they can give them in AAA before they can move move them over. And it's it's a fairly easy transition for them to make. It's, you know, I'd feel a little bit differently about it if they hadn't, like, fully taken advantage of expanded rosters going into the National Series. But when you have this two-game set against Toronto, plus you have a, an off day on Wednesday, 
it's not something that like you know makes me super concerned or anything like that. If anything changes, if someone gets hurt or anything like that, then they can make a move, and it's 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 a fairly straightforward one. Just move guys over and bring you know bring guys in from Gwinnett. If like the AAA affiliate was like a Pacific Coast League team or something like that, it's a little <laughs> bit different. Yeah, I mean that, the logistics are important because they're home all week. That does help. By the way, and we might come back to this later, but um, it's always bizarre to have a Wednesday off day. Just a very strange thing, and it's I assume weird. it's because of Labor Day, but um, it's just a bit odd. Um, something to keep an, to keep an eye out for. This Welcome week. though. It's yeah, perfect. I mean it's not not a bad thing necessarily. It's just kind of strange. Um, you know, as far as Sabaka and Walker and Camargo, you know, Camargo. Obviously hasn't hit this year, but someone who brings a lot of versatility to the table, someone you would certainly um, have thought was going to be coming up, regardless of how, of how much he's used. He's, he was always he was always going to be on the team in September. Um, Walker is, you know, I'll let you talk about him if you would like to. Sabaka has not been good, um, but you know, I guess he would just be. It can't hurt to have an arm. He's on the he's on the forty man. You know, having a guy who can just pitch and mop up duty so that you're not burning guys that don't need to be burned in blowouts one way or the other, or if you get to the seventeenth inning and you're just out of pitchers, maybe he. Could, Maybe he should pitch, but honestly, Sabaka, I would hope would be the absolute last option. Um, just barely ahead of Charlie Culberson. I'm, I'm, I'm somewhat kidding on that. <laughs> yeah, but my, um, it's only kind of kidding there. Yeah, I'm only a little bit kidding about that. But honestly, like he is. I mean, maybe you disagree, but he is very, very clearly should be the only use in an, in an emergency situation kind of guy, which is fine. That's what these yeah, better rosters are for. But like, it's, it's that's kind of what he should be there for. Yeah, uh, Spotka has not been particularly good. That w- I, I enjoyed as much as anyone that two months of time where he was throwing upper 90s and actually commanding it. But the entirety of the time that I've been covering minor league baseball, Sabatka has been in this minor league organization. And except for those two months, he's either never commanded that fastball to, to reliably throw it for strikes or has been hurt. So he's not a guy that I've been particularly high on again i enjoyed that little stretch and hopefully you know who knows maybe he finds the magic and he ends up being a nice little piece again and he has he's it's a live arm i mean the fastball and breaking ball when it's on is really like a really good thing but it just doesn't happen that often walker has been one of my favorite stories from the 2019 season in the minor leagues because he was a starter for his entirety of his career and was kind of a an afterthought from from that particular draft class, and he performed reasonably well. He had these starts where he'd get hit hard, and he you know he would sometimes go deep in games, and sometimes he couldn't get out of the third inning. Uh, I felt like the fastball was really straight, and just, he, I had written him off more or less. Then he had he gotten handcuffed to Patrick Weigel when he was kind of coming back from injury. You know they would run Weigel out at Mississippi, he'd throw two or three innings, and then Walker would kind of finish up. And what happened was that Weigel kept getting stretched out. Walker was getting shortened to where he would be going two or three innings. And he turned into a really good reliever. <laughs> and he's he's kind of leveled off a little bit. He's not quite as been as dominant uh, since you know since he's been put back in AAA and you know hasn't really seen much action in the majors. But it's a really interesting story of a guy who kind of ended up finding a niche unexpectedly. And I I, I think he could be a, a good relief arm. He has, seems to have kind of the demeanor for it. On the mound, and uh, as for Camargo, look, we kind of saw what he was in the majors this year, and it was really rough. But he was down in Gwinnett. I think it was for 14 games. He hit safely in the first 13, including like a ton of multi-hit games. You know, when the guy's batting four or five hundred over a 15-game stretch, man, you can't really just leave him down there. And for when you're in, when you're wanting to just kind of slowly expand the the rosters a bit and add a bat, I mean, you can do far worse than him, especially the way he's been hitting. I don't know if it's going to stick. I don't know if we're going to get Camargo from 2018 or we're going to get the one we've had for most of 2019 or maybe somewhere in between. I imagine it'll probably be somewhere in between. 
And that's a guy that's worth having on your bench, you know, has some pop, has some versatility. I'm not sure if he can really field, which is a weird thing because that was the one thing he was really good at for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, the arms, you know, the arms there at least. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. He throws, he throws, he can definitely throw the ball hard. I'm not sure if it's straight or good, but it's, you know, it's, he hasn't been this year, but he, like we saw him be a very good player last year and you know, it was kind of a foregone conclusion that he was going to get called up. So I'm, I'm fine with I me. Mean, I'm fine with those guys being on the roster. You know, I, I understand all of it. Well, what names get added and what roles they have kind of going down the stretch, you know, what you do with Patrick Weigel, who, you know, we haven't really got to see in the majors and, you know, these other guys that are on the 40 man roster have had seen really limited time and what roles they're going to have down the stretch. Do you put Kyle Wright and Bryce Wilson in your bullpen just for, or do you give guys, you know, do spot starts and give guys, you know, you know, turns off in the rotation down the stretch. That ultimately depends on what happens. I think in that four game series against the Nationals, I was, I was about to say the same thing. Like, you know, if uh, if the Braves, you know, a week from today when we're recording next Sunday night, if the Braves are up by eight games or nine games in the standings, um, then you can really start to maybe you know get creative and maybe give guys days off and skip Mike Soroka yep. or do whatever you want to do. But if Washington comes in here and wins three out of four, then you can't do that anymore. So your point is a good one. I mean, it, it's, it, it puts a little bit too much pressure on this week, but we kind of knew that was going to happen anyway with the Nats coming in, and the Nats have been ridiculous. But we'll talk about them more in a, little, in a little bit when we start talking about games. But, yeah, I mean, it's a weird situation to kind of say and put that emphasis on this week, but it's just kind of the reality of the situation. Yeah, I mean, this is a big, big week. It really is. Um, and just on the, on, the, on the bat side, obviously the, the two most high-profile guys that are still in the minors are Austin Riley and um, Adam Duvall. I mean – Duvall, we kind of know. Uh, Riley, we'll see. And I mean, those guys will be up at some point. Obviously, um, I'm, I'm not in love with. I saw some of the some of the rationale that was out there was like, well, you can't bring those guys up now because they're trying. They're, they're you know, Gwinnett's trying to win the championship. I'm like, I, I don't care. I just don't care about that, Eric. I'm sorry. Um, I will speak for the Braves fan that does not care about that and say I don't care about that. So I would hope that that's not the reason why, why they're still down. <laughs> Maybe I mean, it is. I'm, I'm sure it's like a consideration, but it's more like giving those guys at bats and you know not having to do too many weird things with someone. That's fun. I mean, especially Riley. Riley just getting at bats is a good thing. Like I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. Duvall, I think I would have just had Duvall up today, um, but I understand why you wouldn't. So. Yeah, it's just especially since Duvall hasn't been particularly good since he's been back up. No, he's I mean, just like he, a guy that's a major league player. He can play defense. Like even you know, worst case scenario, he just is a pure power pinch hitting bat that can play a little defense. Like it's not like he's yeah. needs to be playing every day in Atlanta right now, even with the injuries. But I think he's kind of the prototypical guy you would just bring up because you know his development is not really a concern. Like Austin Riley, obviously you're looking long-term with him. Adam Duvall is, you're just playing right now. He's not someone who's looking to be a huge part of your future. So I don't know. I, I get it. I'm not upset about it. If he's still in Gwinnett a week from now, I'll be shaking my head a little bit, but um, you know, who cares? It's yeah. I, and I, and I don't foresee that happening. I just don't. I Agreed. mean, and, <laughs> I mean, and ultimately them, the Braves not loading up their 40 man roster right now and bringing everyone up. It does buy them some, time to make some decisions about their 40-man roster, which can get a little tricky when you That's have guys true. like like Nick Markakis coming off the DL, uh, injured list seemingly relatively soon. You know, what happens with Ender and all this other thing? Like, you have a lot of, like, choices just not with just, like, the active roster, but, like, the overall 40-man. I mean, it's not an easy decision to make right now, and this kind of just buys them some time to, like, evaluate some guys some more. So it's not, it's not something I was, like, particularly up in arms about. It was I felt it was fine. Yeah, no big deal there. Um, last thing before we uh, take a break and get back to some, you know, nitty gritty basketball. Sorry, basketball, baseball things. Um, 
Here we go with the Hawks talk. I'm okay. sorry. I was looking at something, <laughs> and that's what happens. Um, the Braves made a trade this week, which they're not allowed to do, except for they they acquired someone who was not, who was not on a 40-man roster, and that is uh, it's Caleb. Is it Thielbar? Is that how you pronounce his name, Eric? I'm, I am reasonably certain it's Thielbar. Um, any intrigue here in a present-day sense, or is that just a pure future-facing move for the Braves? You are the expert on this on this podcast anyway, um, so well, what do you, well, you make of that trade? Well, well, I definitely wouldn't call it a future-facing move. The guy's 32 years old. That's so what I mean. Not... Like, it's kind of it's, it's kind yeah. of a weird thing because he wasn't on the 40-man roster. But I was going to let you bring that up. But it's 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 a situation where it's just kind of odd. Like it only makes sense if you think he might make the team better right now. But he's not in a 40-man. It's just it's kind of a weird timing move, and people were asking questions about it. Well, look, he's a guy that struck out 94 batters in 78 innings as a reliever in AAA. What I'm sure the Braves are thinking are is. We need as many options for reliable bullpen arms down the stretch as possible. How can we do that? You know, I'm sure they looked at the free agent market and, you know, collectively kind of threw open their mouths a little bit because at this point of the year, since without the, the non, you know, the, without that, that waiver trade deadline, you know, you can get guys after they've cleared waivers. Since you can't make those trades, they explored what options they had and one option that was available to them. And, you know, credit to the Braves who have been really creative. Uh, since the trade deadline to be able to still add pieces, you know, really like as quick, as soon as guys get, you know, clear, clear waivers and get released, they've been snatching up the guys that they felt like they could help them just for even for short stretches. Uh, and in this particular case, I mean, this is a guy who's put up some really good numbers and he's been good in triple A and double A recently. It's not just a, a one year thing. He's been fairly consistently good. It just hasn't really gotten a lot of opportunities in the majors. I don't think he's pitched since 2015 in the majors for the twins. And, you know, he's a guy that's been striking guys out, has been hard to square up, doesn't walk guys, which again, for this bullpen is a, a pretty big deal. And, you know, it's I doubt that he ends up being anything. I, I don't even think they're going to add him to the 40-man roster. I, I was going to ask you, here, here's, my, here's my easiest way to ask this question, Eric. Right now, today, would you rather have him on the mound or Chad Sabak on the mound? I don't know enough about Thielbar to answer that question, but I have my suspect my answer would be that I'd rather have Thielbar. That's kind of what I think too. I mean, obviously, I don't know anything. I'm just looking at numbers, so that's a pure fan graphs evaluation. But um, that would be the only angle that I would present. I'm just coming at this as, as the simplest way possible without knowing too much information here. Maybe they just think he's better than somebody they already have on the 40 man. But I don't know. It's just yeah, a weird I mean, like, I'm sure it cost them next to nothing to do. The oh move. yeah, I'm sure it was like a thousand dollars or something. Some yeah, crazy was, small yeah, number. Yeah, it's just it's, it's it's a creative move. Probably won't amount, amount to anything. But again, still kind of a savvy thing to do just to kind of continue to find ways to make some things happen. Yeah, it does not hurt to have more options, even if he's just nothing. That was a trade we could talk about for two minutes on this podcast. And we've, and we've just done that, Eric. So I appreciate you uh, we did it. providing we did me it. With, that, um, with that information and that angle to uh, navigate. All right, one more, uh, I guess, I guess we'll, we'll say that for a second. Let's take a quick break and we'll come right back and we'll talk about some actual baseball. And uh, hold on one second. All right, Eric, we're back. And... Um, the Braves are pretty good at baseball. Let's exactly. just talk about that for a second. Um, I want to talk about August as a whole because it's, it's September 1st. It's easy to talk about August the way that went. But at this moment, including today, the Braves have won 15 of the last 19 games. That is very good. Um, yep. They went 19-9 and in August. And uh, hilariously, they actually lost a game in the standings because the Nats have been ridiculous. Um even before today, the Nats were, by the way, 44 and 20. So the, the, the Nats are now 45 and 20 in the last 65 games, which is just silly. Um, 
but the Braves have been playing great, so they've yeah. been able to hold on to this lead. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of insane. If you told me, granted, this is that would have been two plus months ago, but if you said, "All right, the Nats are going to win forty five of, of their next sixty five games," Eric, um, is there any chance the Braves are up by five and a half games? I would have said no. Let's just say that uh, right now. I would have said no too. I, I I was famously optimistic at the beginning of the year because I called the Braves to win the division, but I also said that this was going to be really super close. You know what I mean? Because I, I did feel like that the Nationals were going to be good. I felt like the Mets and Phillies were going to be better, but I, they, they, those are, those were teams that I just felt had warts and more. I was more on the camp. But I just thought that the Phillies were abysmal defensively. I didn't realize the Mets were going to be as bad as they were defensively, but they, you know, they kind of came back down to earth and the nationals had a rough start. And now they're on this crazy run where it's been like, it's, it's a lot of fun to be watching that team just because I, I have a lot of appreciation for like the Juan Soto's and Anthony Rendon's and that pitching, pitching staff. I like the Braves matchup against them just for for reasons that aren't particularly interesting. We can probably talk about that once that those matchups actually happen. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's it's fascinating, kind of how I mean the Nationals are the third best team in the National League. I don't I don't think it's actually that particularly close. You know what I mean? I think it's the Dodgers who are the class. The Braves have been slowly creeping up on the Dodgers for the best overall in the National League. Uh, and the yeah, Nationals I mean it's are, it's kind of funny like. If you look at the, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say advanced, but let's just say advanced numbers to make it as easy as possible. Um, simulations, the the people that just are using systems. Um, basically, it would tell you the Nats have been better than the Braves this year. Um, now, obviously, the standings don't tell that story, so and that's the most important thing. Um, but that just goes to show like how good the Nationals have been. Um, clearly, the Dodgers are in their own stratosphere. The Dodgers have a plus two seventeen run, run differential, which is just outrageous um, in September. But so that let's just put put, put, put that to the side. I, I definitely agree with you though that two and three are the Braves and the Nationals. It's fairly clear at this point. The Nats did the Braves a huge favor by struggling so badly for the first like two months of the season. Um, that was that came yeah, in big time handy because. Um, you know, since then they've been the best team. Actually, they've actually been better than the Dodgers during this run, which is pretty crazy. Uh, but anyway, it's you know the good thing about the Braves if they were if they are to hold on here. And by the way, as of this moment, fan, uh, sorry, five thirty eight is the one that updates in real time. They have, they give the Braves eighty seven percent chance to win the division. That's pretty good odds. Um, if the Braves can hold off the Nats, that means they avoid the Nats um, probably um, in the first round, which is good because the Dodgers are not going to probably come back to the pack. I mean, the Braves are only four and a half games behind yeah, the Dodgers. They're, 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 they're creeping up on them. They're actually closer to the Dodgers than, than they are to the Nats, which is uh, something I didn't really realize till right this second. They are closer to the Dodgers than they are to the Nationals. Now, I think it's, uh, you know, this is probably my bias a little bit showing, but I think it is certainly more likely that they do not win the East than they are to actually pass the Dodgers. Would you Would you agree with that? I have a high appreciation for the Dodgers, and I think that they are like it's. I don't think people fully appreciate how hard it is when they're when we when you're talking about like without injuries and anything when you're looking at two good teams overcoming anything over a three game deficit is extraordinarily difficult. You know, for, yeah, I mean, like, there's only there's only four weeks left. I mean, they've played 130 games, so that that means they have 24 games remaining. You're up five and a half with 24 to go, and you're a good baseball team. There's a reason why the Braves are given you know high 80s percent chance to win the division on all of these systems and all these projections. It's because that's that's a big gap. Um, so you know if everything just holds steady, you avoid the Nationals in the first round because the Nationals, even if they were to avoid, uh, even if they were to emerge from the wild card game, they have to play the Dodgers, and that's a good thing when you're when you're top two, at least in in our minds, your top two opponents 
and the National League would be playing each other on the other side. Um, that's what you want. So I'm not trying to look too far ahead here, but that's a that's an important thing. And you know, I don't I don't want to make this into a Nationals love fest. They, they have been ridiculous, but to put it back on the Braves, I mean, going 19 and nine in August. Yeah, they lost a game in the standings, but they took care of business. They've been really, really good for a very, very long time here. And that gives me a lot of confidence. Like, I think people know that I'm not like a blind homer. If anything, I'm accused of being um, and too skeptical or whatever it is. And I, I think I'm trying to just be as accurate as possible. But, you know, this has been an awesome run. And this is yeah. a team that's playing out of its mind. Um, and basically, they're riding about four and a half guys right now offensively. And the fact that they um, basically had five guys hit well at all in the entire month of August, and they still went 19-9, they just have ways of winning baseball games, and it's going very well. Yeah, I mean, like, and kudos to the pitching staff. The starters have been have been good like, with, like, a couple sure. hiccups here and there, but that happens. And I mean, bullpen, even and today, like, Julio but... looked like he was going to, like, fall apart completely. Yep. And if you look up and he's like, you know, he didn't pitch well but he gave him a chance to win. I mean, most of the time, with few exceptions over the last, I mean, honestly, a few months, but especially in the last month or so, even the bad starts are not disastrous. There was the one Julio start where he was just an absolute disaster, but even their bad start, like Fulton wasn't great earlier this week, you know, they did, they had but, a chance to win. Yeah, he, he kept them in it. Yeah, it's, if you give and, up four and, runs in six innings, it's not good, but, you know, the blow-up games are just not happening, and when your offense... Is playing like I mean, obviously they had a little run um, where they where they stopped scoring for about a week and a half, and they were still able to win some games because they timed it up very well. I mean, there's there's some luck involved in that, or maybe not luck. Maybe luck's the wrong word. There's some good fortune in that to have your offensive struggles go along with your, with your pitching staff suddenly being awesome. But you know, however it works, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I like how you corrected luck to good fortune. As it's not luck. Those. I mean, it's just you know you know what I mean though. Like, yeah. if, if you have a situation where you Th- don't things- hit for a week and you still win like four out of six games, and it's like okay, I, it's because it's because the pitch lights out. You know, Max Fried's throwing throwing gems, and Julio had a great start in there, and Soroka, and obviously Keiko was been was really good for a stretch. So it's not it's not luck. It's just the way that the way that lined up. Because if, if you throw that, if that hitting had happened this week, you would have lost. At least twice, if not three times, and yep. instead you won a four, you won four out of five. So, yeah, and it's the and it's first it's 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 kudos to the starting staff and the bullpen has been really good. There's been a couple hiccups here and there, but honestly, there is no bullpen that is bulletproof, and they are pitching no. like a good bullpen right. I now. mean, Swarzak's been really rough recently, but other than other than that. It's been very good. Like the guys, we talked about this yeah. last week with Zach a little bit, so I don't want to step on that too, too much. But, I mean, Melanson, I mean, Martin had the one hiccup this week, but Melanson has been pretty darn good. Um, you know, it's not a situation where you're looking at this bullpen anymore with a ton of fear. Like, are there guys no. that I don't love? Yes. But it's not a it's not a weakness anymore, which is just no. very nice to see. And like even today... I'm watching this game right before we started recording. We started recording within like 10 minutes of the, of the last out, which doesn't always happen, but it happened today because of the late start. I'm watching the I'm watching the end of the game, and I'm thinking I was I wasn't terrified. I mean, they're up by one, they're up, and then it, then it became two, and it's you know, am I worried? No, not really. And that's I mean, that's that's a good thing to have happen, which that was not the case even a month ago. 
Yeah, I mean Shane I mean Shane Green's had really like yeah, his like t- really ten good. straight starts where he's been he's been ten straight appearances, he's been really good. Melanson just seems to be a super steady closer, you know. It's not flashy stuff. He's not, you know, throwing ninety eight miles an hour and like wipeout sliders, he's just throwing that knuckle curve and throwing and you know, throwing, you know, well located fastballs and just getting the job done. And that's all this team really needed is just kind of a stable. Sometimes it's not going to work out, but most of the time it is. And that's just what this bullpen is. And I will say one thing about the Nationals is that one thing that has been true, their offense has been so good, particularly Soto and Rendon, is yeah. that their bullpen is leaky. You know, they, they've been giving up some leads. Now they've been kind of bailed out by, again, the offense playing well. But now they're it's, start, it's to starting pitching. I mean, they, for the yeah. season, they actually have allowed 45 fewer runs than the Braves have. But most of that is the fact that they have Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. That yeah. That's usually helpful. Um, but I agree. Their bullpen, as weird as this is, I mean, it's, it's, I guess it's not that weird right now to say this, but the Braves bullpen is better than the Nationals bullpen. I, I'm much more yes. confident in the Braves bullpen than the Nationals bullpen at this, at this moment. Whether that holds or not for another month, we'll see. But, you know, right now, today, September 1st, Braves bullpen is, would be an advantage of the, of the Nationals, which we couldn't have said a couple of months ago. No, and, you know, it's going to be interesting because I don't think much of the Mets personally, but they have kind of been able to, like, put up some, like, like streaky performances. I mean, they're were, competitive. Well, they're, yeah. they're fine. And and they have pitching, too, and they're going to go against that Nationals team and for, for, the, for a three-game set this week. And, come you know, coming out of that, we'll see kind of whether or not there's, you know, any give in what the Nationals have been doing, or they just continue to destroy teams. But it's it's a it's it's an exciting pennant race where the Braves are in a really good position. But it's also a situation where you know that it, if the if the Nationals sweep the Braves, this like this next month is going to be excruciating, right? But what seems more likely in my mind to happen is just we're going to see a lot of splits, like you know, like a like two and two split in this four game one. Um, you know the the Phillies are a little bit of a wild card, but I don't, again they haven't been playing particularly well either. And then you have if the, with these next seven games with the Nationals, if the Braves have a winning record, they're going to win the division. I just I just feel that way. I, I totally agree. And listen, we we've teased this a number of times going back several months now, but we've now arrived between Thursday the fifth this week and Thursday the night the nineteenth, so a fifteen day sample that they play only the Nationals and the Phillies. And the Phillies are not really in the race in terms of the division anymore, but they're still a team that is better than average. They're they're five, they're, they're four guys above five hundred. They're a divisional foe. You play them four times on the road um, to begin next week. You know, you could certainly, you know, I I rather play some other teams than, than the Phillies. Are the Phillies awesome? No, they're not. But they're talented, and they could certainly come out and beat the Braves in a series. That would not be surprising to anybody. Could, so it could happen. It's there's a lot of pressure, you know. The, Na- the Nationals games are e- obviously more pressure than the Phillies games are at this point, but it's still a sort of a treacherous stretch. You know, it's nice to have the, the Blue Jays at home these first two games, and then followed by an off day, sort of recharge the batteries because the Blue Jays are not awesome, but they just beat you on Tuesday this week, and then they, they actually beat they actually beat, beat Mike Soroka. <laughs> they beat, they beat Mike Soroka in Toronto, which is uh, his home his uh, I, I don't want to say hometown, but home country. Um, so. You can lose. You can lose a baseball game. Just ask the just ask the Tigers and the uh, Astros, um, who the Tigers yeah. beat somehow last week or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah, I think it was a couple weeks ago, but yeah, it was whatever uh, it was. Uh, but anyway, it's you know, 
we're, we're all looking ahead, but they have to win. They have to take care of business in, the, in these first two games. I do want to, before we get before we look ahead of the schedule, I guess full steam ahead at the end of the podcast, I wanted to reflect a little bit on August, and we talked about it in a second, but I wanted to highlight one guy in particular. You know, the top four hitters that we all talk about all the time, Ronald Acuna, Ozzy Albies, Josh Donaldson, and the great Freddie Freeman, who has been ridiculous. Freddie at two home runs today. Um, and by the way, I think, if I read right on Twitter, uh, Brian Snicker uh, anointed Freddie as the MVP of the league today on Twitter. Um, I'm not I'm not on Twitter, but in an interview, I, I saw somebody pass that along. He's not going to win the MVP, but um, Freddie's awesome. So he's been he's been insane. Had an insane game today too. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to say that out loud. But I want to get to and I wish you had something on those on those four guys. We could talk about those, those four guys forever, but because they're awesome. But. Yeah. I, I, one thing I want to say about that, that I just kind of realized I looked up uh, Fangraphs WAR on just 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 offensively for the month of August of the top ten teams that put up. Like in terms of F F war for offense for the month of August, four yep. of them are four of them are in the National East, and the Braves are the fourth amongst those four. Yikes! Um, I mean, but, 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 but but everyone's in the top ten. So like, and then yeah, I mean, the it's it goes Marlins to show though. Further, right? <laughs> yeah, it, as good as the top four have been, and you know, looking at their numbers for August, all four had a one twenty five WRC plus or better for the month of August. Ozzy was one twenty five, up to one fifty two for for Josh Donaldson. Those guys were incredible. But aside from the top four, the only regular that played a bunch of uh, games, uh, sorry, there are two, um, one, one, one of whom is Ender Enciarte, who was famously awesome at the, at the beginning of August, um, and then got hurt. The only other guy who was legitimately good this month, or I guess last month now, was, was Matt Joyce. Matt Joyce has been raking, and I wanted, to, I wanted to reference him, because for the season he's been very good as well, but especially in August, a 133 WRC+, plus, a 420 on base percentage. Matt Joyce has always hit the ball. I've been high on Matt Joyce forever. When they signed him, I was high on it, because he's, if nothing else, Matt Joyce will roll out of bed and hit righties. Like He's him. just going to do that for his entire life. He'll be, he'll be 50, and he'll be pinch hitting his righties and raking. Um, Matt Joyce is good at exactly one thing, at least... At least really good at one thing, but he's really, really good at it, and I think there's a lot of value in that player, and I think we haven't talked about him enough on this podcast, with good reason. He was definitely a supporting piece, and he was thrust into bigger duty by the injuries that have happened, but Matt Joyce has been really good, and... You know, he got some shine this week, at least in terms of the of the coverage locally, because he was really good. But I wanted to always talk about him for a second because I'm not going to say without him that that, that, that they would have lost some games. But you know, he's been sort of the fifth wheel during this run, which is crazy to say. But Matt Joyce has been the, the fifth best, fifth best player on this team, at least uh, position player for the last you know six weeks or so. And uh, I'm not sure you would know that just by the way he's, he's covered, but he's been awesome. Yeah, he's been really good, and they've been getting some timely hits from, you know, the the guys they've been kind of picking up on the strap, scrap heat. I'm not sure what happened to Echeverria to all of a sudden turn into a real hitter, and you well, know, Billy Hamilton, Hamilton <laughs> Billy Hamilton, Billy Hamilton, Billy Hamilton hit, hit like a rocket off the wall today. It was insane. Or yeah, all, yeah close he, to the he, he smoked one, and you know, we we know he can run, and that what he can do has has real value. But you know, if he is able to hit too, then you know, you got that. That becomes a lot more interesting. I'm pretty skeptical that that's actually going to hold, but you know, it's not. It's by the way, it's not going to. Uh, you, you can quote me on that. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll be happy. I'll be happy about that. Um, this is not a situation where we don't know what Billy Hamilton is at the plate. We have a very, very, very large sample of him being a terrible hitter. Um, it's not a shot at Billy. That's not why they traded for him. They traded for him to play defense and run. Um, it's nice that he's hitting. It's been very helpful that he's hitting. Yep. But he's not going to keep hitting. <laughs> it's just never happened before. Yeah, he's actually a guy on the roster that can play center field with some kind of upside. It just doesn't have to be with the bat. In fact, I mean, you know, it's, we can get into the nitty gritty if we want to, but you know, he's played a lot more than he was supposed to play. 
And I think it's because he hit a little bit upon arrival, but, you know, him playing a lot and, like, starting a lot right now makes me uncomfortable, i got to be honest with you. But if he does what it's he's supposed to do, out. it's okay. It's working out fine because he's hitting, which isn't going to continue, but uh, he's a good piece to have on the roster. By the way, Matt Joyce, real quickly to go back on him, um, for the full season, Matt Joyce has a 124 WRC plus in 105 games. Matt Joyce has been good, man. He's almost been worth a full win. Yep, and, and, and as a bench bat, that's perfect. <laughs> and his defense is not good, but it's not like he's not the worst defensive player I've ever, you're, that you'll ever see in your life. He's not good, but he's not a butcher out there. He's not like no. someone you just can't have field. Clearly, you don't want him out in the outfield late in the game if you're winning. Let's just say that. But that's why you have Bill, that's why you have Billy Hamilton, and that's why you have even Adam Duvall on your roster. <laughs> just go with it, go to Adam Duvall instead. But Matt, Matt Joyce, I think has earned a role. Um, here's a controversial thing we can wade into a little bit if we want to. But is Matt Joyce starting as right-handed pitching in October if everybody's healthy? Uh, I don't know if the, the well, short answer is I don't think so. Just because if everyone's healthy, that means Nick Markakis is on the roster. And you know who's better was, than Nick Markakis against right-handed pitching? Matt Joyce. I, I, I agree with you. He has I just want to say it out loud. But I, but, but I don't think it happens. And it will, oh, it's not going to happen. Make, <laughs> it's not no, going to yeah, yeah. If, he, if he's um, healthy, he's going to be that, playing, which we all know. That, that, that is a more interesting question. That Once you said it out loud, it's much more interesting than I thought it would be. I, I am somewhat hopeful that, you know, on the one hand, you know, Nick Markakis has obviously been hurt, but, you know, because he was an older guy who really faded down the stretch last year, one hopes that maybe he's well-rested for a playoff run. On the downside, is he, since he just got hurt, it's not like wrist and hand injuries don't have this long don't have this long track record of guys really struggling at the plate when they come back from them, particularly with power, and that's not like something he was at an abundance of to begin with. So I do worry a little bit that Nick Markakis is going to come back, he's automatically going to be slotted in as just an everyday guy. And you just never really know what he's going to be when he comes back, not because of anything he is as a person, just so as that, that that kind of injury doesn't lend itself to just kind of popping back in there and being awesome again. I so really I wish, I really, really wish, I'm, I'm sure we said this before on the podcast, if Matt Joyce was just right-handed and exactly the same, like if he hit lefties the way he hits righties, it would be so perfect. If you could yeah. if you could platoon him, him and Mark Akis in right field, or in a corner spot alongside Ronnie, whichever one you want to go to, um, you'd have an awesome player. Marquez Mar- can hit right-handed pitching, obviously. He's been very good this year against right-handed pitching, too. If he's healthy, that's a big if. But if those guys complement each other better, it would be really cool. Um, they don't, which is unfortunate. But, I mean, I'm more just saying it for effect in some ways, but Matt Joyce is a good hitter. Like, if you're facing, yeah. if you told me as a right-handed, if you told me as a right-handed pitcher on the mound, how many guys on the roster would you rather have up at the plate than Matt Joyce? The list is not very long. It's at least four, obviously, because yeah. I mean the top four is the top four. But I don't know, you could pretty, you could probably make an argument Matt Joyce is a better hitter against right-handed pitching than Ozzy is. <laughs> um, Maybe that being like that, that's no. I'm, I'm I mean, honestly I mean, though because like, Ozzy mashes lefties. We all know Ozzy murders left-handed pitching. But if you look at Ozzy's splits versus Matt Joyce's splits against right-handed pitching, I'm not telling you that you have to choose Matt Joyce, but that's not a no-brainer for Ozzy. No, so. Uh, all that to say, Matt Joyce is clearly one of your top eight hitters against right, against right-handed pitching. Full stop. Um, whether he'll play against those guys or not, we'll see in the future. But I really, I really just want to highlight the, the fact that he's been very good. And he, again, he was the only guy that was not of the top four, the core four offensive players this month 
that was actually good, aside from Inerenciarte, um, who got hurt, you know, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, Joyce was the was... only guy that had a positive month at the plate, which is crazy yeah. to say, but it's true. Yeah, the rest of it was just kind of, you know, timely, you know, intermittent contributions from everyone else, and then those four guys just, I mean, those four or five guys really just doing work. And even Ronnie's been scuffling lately, so... You know, to go 19 and nine, given all the circumstances, is pretty sweet, and hopefully everyone gets healthy and, and right. Because if they are, then and this is what they are when they're not healthy and right. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, no, it's. I'm I'm really just part of that's highlighting the fact that they were able to win 19 out of 28 games. With granted, the top four guys were really really good, but it was basically a four and a half man offense for a full month, and they still won at a ridiculous clip. So, yep. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, a strength, obviously, that having those four guys is a strength, even when Ronnie, as you mentioned, has kind of cooled off a little bit, and that's when Freddie gets scorching hot, and that's just the way this has worked this year. They've been able to time it very, very well to where at least two or three of those guys are bashing at any given time, and uh, that's how you generate good good offense. Um, yep. Anything you wanted to cover from this week? I mean, Max Free had a big strikeout game. That was fun. Um, Freddie... Again, it's just raking um, like crazy. Saturday was weird because the first inning was just like this this slow drip of six runs in the first inning. Um, I don't know. Any, anything you wanted to tackle? There, I have some highlight stuff, but it wasn't like there was anything that was just overwhelming that I felt like we had to talk about. Uh, I mean, I really liked the way Max Freed looked. Uh, he, per, later on in the start, he looked a little tired. But, I mean, he had like a perfect game going for a little while there and looked like he was going to strike out 20 batters in that game. So that, that's a, that's a welcome development because he did definitely have that lull in the middle of the season where he wasn't looking quite as great and was a little more home run prone. And he seems to kind of found a second win and really seems to be doing work. But other than that, I mean, look, Freddie Freeman's, you know, he's hitting home runs and he's going to hit, he's going to hit 40 plus this year, which is not something I would have projected just because that's just not you, just not the really the approach he has. And the, I mean, the Braves could feasibly have, three guys on this team that have 40 home runs. Yeah, I mean, you look at the wild. numbers now, it's it's not not insane. No. I don't know. Would you I wouldn't bet on that by any means, but it's just, yeah, I hadn't thought about that till you just said it right now. I'm looking at the numbers. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, cuz I mean, you you you, uh, you assume that Ronnie's going to get hot and he'll he'll hit a few and then I mean, Ronnie's only got to have four more. Freddie has two more. Donaldson's seven in a month. That's not it's not. It's not crazy. It, it's not crazy, especially the way he's hitting right now. You know what I mean? And it's. I, I think it could. I think it could realistically happen. And you know, when you have that kind of power in your lineup, plus you have guys like Ozzy who are just like you know consistent contributors and have games where they just get on base a whole bunch. Hopefully, you get Dansby right. You know, at the very least, you have three of those regulars that are slugging like five twenty or higher for the season, yeah. and Ozzy's like hovering around like four ninety ish or something like that. So yeah, I mean, those guys are just. We know we know those guys are mashing. Ozzy, by the way, I looked a second ago. His splits are um, ridiculous. Ozzy against Ozzy against lefties this year, a one sixty six WRC plus. Yeah, he's a bad dude against. He's a bad bad dude. He's against just lefties. terrifying. A, by the way, and that that, that equates to a ten fifty one OPS. He's basically, I don't know, Mike Trout. <laughs> I guess left-handed pitching. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that's going to go over well. I mean, Mike, I, I, that's why I said Trout basically he's not actually Mike I, I, Trout. I'm just saying, lefties, like he's, the numbers are kind of there. There's not a guy on this roster. That, it's a, it's a small sample size. He doesn't face that many left-handed pitchers, but it's, you know that's been his whole career. He's been better against left-handed lefties and righties. But you know, there are very very few players in the majors right now that you'd rather have up against left-handed pitcher than Ozzy Albies. He's that good from that side. So. Combined with everything else, man, it's, uh, it's a good problem. It's a definitely a good problem to have. Also, uh, 
I guess the last thing that I have, and maybe you want to add something else. Um, I think I mentioned this briefly last week with Zach, but at this moment, the Braves have exactly the same record at home and away. 42-27 yep. in, both, in both spots, um, which is just a rarity. You don't see that very often, particularly the road record. They have the best road record in the National League um, pretty comfortably. They have a five-game lead on the Dodgers in that particular stat. It doesn't really matter, and there's some noise related to that. But taking care of business anywhere and everywhere is a cool thing. And that kind of – for me, that lends itself to, like, this is a real this is a real team. They don't have to be playing at home. There's no course field advantage here where they're they're, they're building their roster to a, to, to a stadium. They're just good. Well, yeah, and they're they're good on the home at home and on the road, and they're ten games above five hundred against teams that have winning records, which is not something the Nationals can say. They're sub five hundred team against winning teams with winning records this year. Now, again, there's a bit of a noise from the beginning of the year where they were bad, uh, <laughs> but you know it's. It's an interesting thing to see kind of the different – I mean, the, both the Braves and the Nationals have very clearly been the two hottest teams in the majors. I mean, you yeah. can make an argument for what the, what the Cardinals have done. There's been – you know, in the American League has some other teams, you know, the, like what the Yankees have been doing and, you know, the Astros are obviously insane. But, you know, you're looking at two of the hottest teams in the league and their profiles are kind of similar. But if you kind of dig into it a little bit, you wonder how much noise there is in terms of – what numbers you're looking at because the Braves have had to find a lot of different ways to win and have had to deal with a lot of injuries and have matched the Nationals who got got everyone healthy and took advantage of a of a weaker point in their schedule you know how, what what would you make of it and you know just an eye test tells me that they're just both really good and again this series coming up next week this coming weekend that four game set is one of the I think it's probably the series I've been looking forward to the most in, in terms of a regular season series. I mean, there wasn't a series even last year. Even when I thought that the Braves – I mean, I, when I was on the podcast, I was saying, look, I don't even think that that last series against the Phillies is going to matter. I think they're going to clinch before that. Yeah. In the first, And I don't have that strong of a feeling yet simply because I have a lot of respect for what the Nationals are and when it really – and they're both – they have a lot of young players that are really exciting. You know, I mean, not just Soto and you know Rendon, but I mean Victor Robles is a really good player. Trey Turner always slays against the Braves, and you know it's it's a it's a series that feels like a playoff series coming up. I mean, it, you know, even if the Braves get swept, obviously they still have if they get swept and you know the lead holds as it is right now. Before that, you know they still have a one and a half game lead. So you know, take that for what it's worth. I still like what the, where the Braves' position is, but it feels a lot like a playoff series in the sense that it kind of feels like the Braves could really put this thing away, and which is good because the Nationals are kind of scary. Yeah, they are a little bit scary. I wanted to sort of end my little uh, segment here with a, a look back at May 24th. Um, that's a long time ago. At that point in time, yeah. the uh, the Braves were 29-23. They were in good shape, but the Nationals were 20-31. and Um and the Braves uh, had a 42% chance to win the division. The Nationals had a 10% chance to win the division. And uh, basically, ever since then, they've been, if not the two best teams in the league, because obviously, they're, you know, Houston's been ridiculous, the Dodgers have been ridiculous. They've been two of the top five teams in the league since then. Full stop. Yep. So, and I think that's not crazy. I'm not. I'm not sure that if you ask me right now to pick the five best teams in the league, I think there are three very easy candidates. It's the Yankees. It's the Astros. It's the Dodgers. I'm pretty sure I would take the Nationals and the Twins. Like just by I don't know, the Nationals would be in there. So, 
Maybe uh, the, I mean, uh, sorry, the, Bra- the Braves and the Twins. Sorry, yeah. Braves and the Nationals. And then the Twins would be my sixth. So I, I think I might just argue for the Braves and the Nationals four and five. Yeah, sounds about right. I, I mean, mean in some order, but it's and, – and some of that's record for the full season. And I think the top three – they're all in pace with like 105 wins. Like they're kind of in a different in a different stratosphere to some degree. But honestly, they haven't been since you know mid May, early May. The Braves have been right there. Yep. It's wild to say out loud, but it's true. <laughs> it, it's definitely true, and uh, I I really do hope that after this stretch, like the decision feels the division feels decided, because like going into a final week against the Nationals. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it, it, uh, if it's not decided that final week, it's going to be pins and needles. Yeah, every single, yeah. every single Twitter's old, Twitter's gonna be every miserable. single old ghost will be there, myself included. I mean, every everyone who's been a long time, you know, Braves is one thing, and Braves is bad enough. But um, Atlanta sports fan, <laughs> like every single meme will be back if the Braves are starting to, starting to falter late. So yeah, it would be really nice if they just put this thing away, and that that seems pretty easy to say, but nicer nicer than an, an, an enormous situation if you just eliminated all the other factors and said you know obviously you would want a team to be putting it away but the Braves ju- the Braves did this not that long ago I mean it wasn't that recently I suppose but they, ha- they had the well chronicled collapse six years ago was that 2013 uh, what year was that um, uh, yeah it was see now I'm, not, now I'm forgetting but yeah I'm it bad was... at years now because I'm old and I don't think of things anymore but you know not with it with it within this decade they had a well chronicled collapse that um, was miserable to consume by everyone's standards like it was not a fun experience to watch them just kind of implode right. um <laughs> what year was that good gracious was that 12 or 13 sorry it was either 12 or 11 my fault my fault anyway regardless it wasn't fun so let's not do that again let's just pedal to the middle and uh, enjoy some positive winning baseball and uh, beat the beat the Blue Jays. That'd be a good place it to start. It is September 1st and the Braves' magic number is 21, Brad. Oh, I didn't know that. Thank you for giving me that. Um, that's that's a good stat. And, and, number, and, and, I have a friend, and he might be listening to this, so shout, shout, shout out to James Niemeyer, a good friend of mine, go back to college, where you and I both went at West Georgia. Um, University of West Georgia, go Wolves. Uh, he graduated a year before I did, but uh, he we've, we've joked about this a number of times. Uh, he's the guy in my life that will, uh, a, he will do the out countdown, um, in a big game. He'll start the out countdown at like, at like, at like 17. It's like the, it's like the top of the fourth. It'll be like 17 outs to go. He'll be that guy. And then he's also the magic number guy. Like it's, it'll be may and he'll want to know what, what the magic number is. So, uh, shout, shouts to you, James for listening. And that, that made me think of you, but it's not too early. It's uh, once you get into like blow like 50, you're probably okay. And 21 is like really okay. <laughs> Below 50. That's not, I'm not sure if that's the standard, but I mean, it should be. Starts, but Why not? Let's, t- let's have t- some fun. T- let's, t- let's, 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 let's enjoy some baseball. <laughs> Come on. Listen, you're, you're, you're catching me on a, on a positive day. I'm sure people are like weirded out by me being positive about the Braves. Like for this long, we're going on 45 minutes now and I've been pretty darn positive the whole time. But oh, when you I'm keep sure. winning, I, I, man, I, I, they, they just keep winning baseball games. What do you want me to do? Yeah, they, they, they're, they're they're pitching well, they're hitting reasonably well, and it definitely doesn't feel like they've hit their stride. Like nothing feels super unsustainable. You know, it's not like you know they have like a Chris Johnson like stretch where he's hitting four fifty and like oh, carries Chris the team. Johnson. You know, like it's it's. Are you trying to bring like, me down right now, Eric? Are you trying to level me off a little <laughs> bit by mentioning Chris Johnson, the bad the bad of God, Chris Johnson? Yeah, he, the the Babbitt contract Babbitt contract extension God too. And it'll, by the way, National League batting title winner Chris Johnson. That yep, happened. How, that really yeah, happened. 
I'm pretty sure he didn't see a major league game two seasons later, but you know that's neither here nor there. I, I take that back. I think he did. He did. Who could have ever seen that coming? Either did anyone on any, anybody in Braves Twitter see that coming that he was going to suddenly not be hitting like a 421 BABIP for the full season? That's 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 stunning. That didn't continue. Sorry, but we're we're not seeing that with this team. You know what I mean? Like it's just if, like Ronnie hasn't really hit his stride. You know, Ozzy's like you know it's just it's there's ebbs and flows to it, but there's a lot of really talented pieces on the team to where you make it work when guys aren't. You know what I mean? Everyone's picking each other up when when they need to be picked up you know we're not seeing like total about bullpen implosions where you give up like five run leads it's just we just it's just not happening you're gonna give up some runs here and there you're not gonna get perfect starts from everybody it, it doesn't seem to really matter because this is not a te- this doesn't feel like a team that just gets rattled and completely falls apart they just don't and when you have a team like that plus you have all the talent on the team that they they should be favored they are favored and you know it's going to take a lot the, it's going to take the nationals best punch to make this a division race. And it could happen, but I'm still feel pretty comfortable betting on the Braves. Yeah, that's uh that's well said. We we can certainly leave it there. Uh, you know, consult your playoff odds. I usually put them out every couple of days. Um, the playoffs are uh, now a virtual lock, if not a not a full blown lock. The division is still in still in uh in debate, but big time advantage for the Braves. They are gonna win this division, you know, at least eight out of ten times, if you sort if you were to simulate to the end, uh, as the kids say. Yep. Um but yeah. Should be fun, and we'll talk about it every I, single week. Um, I've, we're doing Atlanta I've, continuing beyond the playoffs, beyond, beyond the minor league, minor league playoffs. I have to ask you. Yeah, that. it's going to be a little bit more intermittent. Sparse. Just, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, there's only so many times we can talk about you know like Hayden Deal's minor league season over the course of an off season. Why not? But we're, we're going. to... We're so we're so we're we're gonna have some. We're, I'm gonna talk to some guests. Sorry, bring some guys we've had on before. Maybe some guys we haven't. You know, bring in some of the guys from the different affiliates too to kind of round down what they thought of some of the guys from the season. And but it it might not be an every week thing just because there's just not much else to talk about, and we don't want to like you know beat a dead horse too much. It'll be like it'll be like this podcast um, after the season's over, but before the winter meetings when there's just nothing to talk about, and we still do it anyway. But so it's um, not like it's not like on road to Atlanta we can be like doing too many winter winter previewing. We'll, free we'll, agency, we'll, oh yeah, we wouldn't go to yeah. road to Atlanta, I suppose. Um, yeah, we we will we'll do stuff on the roll five. We'll we'll do some retrospective stuff on rosters and things like that. Uh, I did want to ask you two questions. Uh oh. Okay. First. Yep. Let's do it. What is your prediction? For the 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 four game series, just the four game series against the Nationals, where the Braves are at home. <sighs> what is my prediction? I'm gonna I am gonna chronic I'm gonna get in my analytical machine and take the only logical route, and that is a split. I feel like that's right. I actually do think the Braves will take three of four. I just, I mean, I just, it I just, is more I, likely I like, that the Braves would win three out of four than lose three out of four. So if you made me like, if you refuse to allow me to pick a split, you know, being that the Braves are at home, I would have to lean to the Braves winning three out of four. But I think split is the most likely outcome. Um, you know, is that the most likely outcome overall? Like, would it be that or the field? Certainly not. I think pick one outcome. I will go with split. Um, if you told me Braves over under two wins in the series, like you just take the over and expect to expect expect to push, but I think I'd take the over if you made me choose. So there now you. you you mentioned this stretch of bunch of Phillies, bunch of Nationals games. At the end of that stretch, what size lead do the Braves have to have to make you feel comfortable that they're going to win the division? So you're talking about the end of the whole stretch with both yes. teams. That's uh, yes. this is we're talking about 
Just so the 19th. listening, um, September 19th. That means the Braves only have eight games remaining after that. Me feel comfortable. I'm a broken man, Eric. Uh, <laughs> let's That's see. Why I, asked you. I will say seven. You would feel you would only feel comfortable with a seven game lead. Okay, maybe six. Six is probably the right answer. <laughs> I, I think that if the it's number... five, I'm not comfortable. Now, with that said, we talked about this a couple times, but I'll, as a reminder, we're going to have a very easy schedule down the stretch. It's the last eight games are three with the with the Giants at home, two with the Royals on the road, and the Mets on the road for the last three games of the season. So, in a vacuum, the Braves should win five of those eight games. Maybe maybe six of those eight games. Um. But again, I'm a broken man. Yeah, you're dead side. Yeah. So, okay, I, I will concede that seven was a ridiculous answer. I will say six. Okay. You said comfortable, like actually com- comfortable, com- com- comfortable. Like you'll you'll be like, like okay, in my soul, the, 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 comfort, the, the, not worried yeah. at all. Yeah. It's six. N- not not like analytically, like you will not be like without thoughts in the back of your mind of six. this is where yeah six okay six is That's the answer six. I think. Uh, it, honestly, it might be seven. I'm not being funny about that. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm, what, again, I'm, I'm broken. This is, this is not good. This is not good reasoning. It's not. It's not good logic. The real answer, if I were to try to take away my my years of broken sports relationships, the real answer, the real answer should be like three. Yeah, because because overcoming a three game lead over eight games over eight is... games and the Braves are playing against bad teams, like yep. we're not batting. You know, two bad teams in the Mets. D- don't the Nationals only have like one game off this month? Uh, they have a really, really grueling schedule. Even this week, you mentioned this earlier, but the Nationals, before they come to town, are playing every day this week. And they go against and, the Mets. I mean, they're playing at home, but they have to then travel. They played They played, They played. played this weekend. I'm looking at the schedule right now for the Nats. I'm not seeing a lot of off time. Uh, they, do have, they had one day off last week. They had Thursday off last week. But now they only have... I think they I'm only seeing, have one. They have two more off days, and they have a doubleheader. So that kind of negates ah. one. They have the 19th off and the 9th off. But they have a doubleheader against the Phillies on the 24th. That, that, that might be a big day in, uh, in Bray's world when the Nationals and the Phillies play twice on the 24th of September. So... Just circle that on your calendar. It, hopefully, it won't, hopefully by then it won't matter. Hopefully it'll be over at that, right. point, at that point in time if you're a Rays fan. But um, that's one of those days that can, that can just terrify you. Because if the Nats go out and win two games in one day, it's like, oh, good God, it's coming. Uh, but yeah, going back to my broken, <laughs> my, my, my broken state, uh, I think the real answer, honestly, is like three games. And even then, like the math would tell you that if the Braves are up two with eight to play, they're, in, they're like it, a it, 90% favorite, probably. Yes. Um because obviously yeah. you can't assume the Nats are going to win every game. <laughs> so, I mean, they have <laughs> yeah, been basically I mean, for yeah, a while. Yeah, they've, 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 been, they've been at a really good clip, but fortunately, fortunately, the Braves have too. And, you know, hopefully after this stretch, you know, we're going to see the Braves win, look, just win. Look, if they just win every series, this this race is over. And yeah, I know I'm, you won't feel that way. Because... No, you're right. No, that, that, that's, that's 100% true. And even, you know, I'm taking myself out of it. I'll take you out of it. Um, the only projection system that's updated right now to the minute is 538. And 530 has the Braves finishing five games ahead of the Nationals. So that, that has them both playing dead even basically the rest of the way, which is about right when you would expect, honestly, because I think they're pretty pretty close to each other in terms of actual team performance. I think, you know, big picture, if you were to just pro- project the rest of the season, you might just pick those guys, those teams to be, a, to be in a dead heat. 
But a dead heat is a huge thing towards the Braves because <laughs> you have a five and a half game lead. So Indeed. that's fine. It's 97 wins, by the way, is the projection at this point, which is uh, a lot higher than I said on this podcast, Eric. I have yeah, uh, well, it's a lot higher than I said, and I was, and I picked them to win the division. So, you know, look, the teams are, the team is really good. Everyone should be excited. People should be going to games. Just enjoy, just enjoy the fact that the Braves have been this good this year because it doesn't take a particularly long memory to remember a time when this team was really bad. And windows like this where you have a bunch of young, exciting players that are competing for hardware, who are really fun to watch, and who have a chance to really do something special this year, in, in a season, that doesn't happen as often as in Braves' minds as it should. But it's a rare thing, and I hope people are appreciating it for what it is. Yep, that's well said, and we will leave it there. Uh, Eric... Thank you for joining me as always, my friend. Everybody should be subscribed to Road to Atlanta because you're on the same feed as this. So please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Tell a friend or two or three. If you're out on on Labor Day listening to this podcast, hey, what's that podcast you listen to? Well, it's the Talking Shop podcast with lots of people that you may enjoy. Just sell it. Sell it yeah, for and us. I, and I think we've gotten the Google podcast thing sorted out. Is that correct? Uh, I think so. Um, yeah, we, we're getting a lot of, we get a lot of questions about that. Uh, Chris Willis, who is, of course, the... Uh, was he the managing editor? Whatever he is. Our Grand boss, Vizier. Um, has been working on that. Um, we found the link to where it was still working, but for some reason, Google Podcast screwed us up, and uh, it was like a weird Tigers podcast for a second. Um, hopefully that's fixed. If it's not, let us know, but Chris is still working Please. on that. He's been communicating with SB Nation, and we should be good to go on that. If not, let us know, though, We'll fi- and we'll fix it. But um, subscribe via the platform of your choice. That one should be working now, but Apple Podcasts, uh, Overcast is a fun one, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Megaphone, who hosts the podcast. Also, you can just wait till we post a listening guide, which I do after this podcast, and Eric does after Road to Atlanta on the site. If you want to be that guy and listen to it on the site, that's totally cool. But uh, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for listening all, all season, guys. I mean, like the Road to Atlanta and the minor league season's ending, so I've been kind of in a little bit more of a retrospective mood. But it's been pretty wild the the, the amount of like love and attention and the following that the podcast has developed over time. This kind of started as something that we were just kind of, you know, let's see if this works. And it's kind of turned into this thing that has been really popular and really well received. And we enjoy doing a lot. Uh, It's basically just Brad and I or Brad, you know, just talking baseball. And for whatever reason, you guys like listening to it and we really appreciate it. Yes, we do. That's well said. And uh, again, shouts to Carlos Colazzo for uh, starting this podcast. With, I guess with me, but whatever. We, we, we love you, Carlos. We love you, Carlos. Baseball America's own. But anyway, all right. Thank you, Eric. That's for everybody else. We will hopefully see you in this exact same time slot next week, and that's the plan. And subscribe. Tell your friends. We'll see you then.